0: for me, Jesus you're all, Jesus you're all I need. clap your hands and give God praise today, hallelujah, aren't you glad to be here today, well amen, guys why don't you welcome our online family, can you clap your hands and give a shout to the Lord, hallelujah, we're so glad to be in the house of the Lord. So glad to see you down there dancing and jumping on the front aisles excited close to the fire, praising God. That that does my heart good, guys. If you don't see any youth, you see a dying church, praise God, we are continually seeing more and more youth and people dancing with little kids on the front row and they're learning now how to praise God. Youth are everywhere and they're doing things, even in the mommy's backpack, that, and, and that's a wonderful thing. Thank you for all of the things that you do to help our church be what it is. Miss Terry, thank you for what you do with our youth as she heads down. Why don't you give them a hand? Yay! We're excited about those things. Just to reiterate some of the things that Terry told you, uh, we do want to do the space jump like we did for Easter. If, you're, if God puts it on your heart to be able to give toward that, you're welcome to give toward that. Also soon, Jayless uh, is planning to do a missionary trip back to uh tanzania tanzania is where there is another encounter and church on the other side of the world jayless went and she uh planted a work planted a ministry there and so be preparing your hearts if god prepares you to give toward that let that be at the forefront of your mind um, as we get ready for uh, Hebrews, I'm really excited. We've got three new dynamic teachers that are well versed in the word of God uh, and will be able to lead us. Some, one is, a couple are out today, uh, they're, they're well versed. Brother Dave is out preaching today and Brother Ernie is out given a testimony. I spoke about Jayless and she walked in the door. Amen. Um, that, uh, he's speaking at a church. So two of our teachers are out speaking today, uh, at churches. I'm so grateful that God has not only given, gifted them to bless us, but to bless other people. If you have not gotten a Bible study book, we went ahead and pre-ordered some, and it's just $10. If you're watching online and you follow us, you can send us an instant message and we'll, we'll get you a book if you need one, um, tell you how to, uh, purchase one. Some people have already done that. Uh, Uh, and we've gotten those to them so thanks so much for you i want to take time to appreciate not just the family in here but the family out there those that are online watching us and are with us every week that are faithful why don't you give them a good god bless you also please do not leave without some of the food Uh, we were blessed yesterday to view the union of uh, Zach and Shania. Uh, they they tied the knot yesterday and it was absolutely beautiful. Can you give a hand clap for that? <laughs> Obviously they are not here today. I would not intend them to be. Uh, they're going to be on their way to their honeymoon and we are so proud of them God blesses families and God blesses marriage so it is in a good place you always want to be at your church that you're having more marriages and more babies than you are funerals and so we're in that place and we're grateful for it that God is blessing our church with life and a gambit of life we have people that are part of our fellowship from the age of 90 all the way down to riding mommy's backpack and I'm grateful for our diverse uh culture and our, our diverse group and we're so glad to have you uh thank you Haley give her a hand Haley's growing That's something she wants to step into and we're going to help her grow. Uh, It's good to have a a local church where where you can be able to serve God in all different facets and grow. I grew at the local church. When I first started playing keyboard, I I started playing keyboard in a church that was basically an old salon. It was an old building. Uh, It didn't have a lot of fancy trappings to it. It had an old box piano. And they probably thought I was trying to do the trim on purpose like the Jimmy Swagger type thing. But it was because I was so scared that my hands were shaking. But I cut my teeth on the church and I grew on the church. And I'm so glad that we have a local community where we can grow Uh, and people can grow. If you have a gift and you want God to develop that gift, um, this is the place with which you can do it. Thanks to the sound team and all, all the generous, generous people uh, that help make our church what it is. We are in the book of Nehemiah, picking up the pieces. Nehemiah uh, chapter two. If you could stand, stand for the reading of the word of God. Stand for the reading of the word of God. The word of God is live, it's active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Some of you might have seen my come to church uh, email this morning. That's an encouragement to let you know that we're in the house of God. You know, oftentimes we get a little tired, don't we? We've had a long week, but it's amazing when we can come together and push past that tiredness to give God glory. We're in the book of Nehemiah uh, chapter 2, starting at verse 1, and let's read what it says. In the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence, but the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing that you are not sick? There is nothing but sadness of heart. Wow. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant have found favor in your sight, then send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him time, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's force, that he might give me timber to make beams for the gates and the fortresses of the temple, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall occupy, and the king granted me what I asked for, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Lord speak your servants listens, and we will be careful to give you all the glory and all the praise. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Somebody shout, I'm picking up the pieces. You can go ahead and give God a hand clap. I like that. Go ahead. You may be seated in the presence of God. I'm picking up the pieces. This sermon series is near and dear to my heart. Why? Because we see Nehemiah picking up the pieces in his life. Nehemiah has not been to Israel, but the people that are with Nehemiah, they are his people. And when he hurts, they all heard that that's somewhat similar to our world today. We are a church family. And guess what? When I was young, they used to have an old colloquialism. The preachers or the, or the deacon would get up and he would preach and he would say something. And I wasn't really understanding what he was saying. But as I got older, uh, it made a lot of sense, Brother Bob. He said, Lord, I want you to bind us so close that one can't fall without the other. Now, to me, that was strange. But almost every Sunday, when they got ready to breathe their prayer, they'd say, when I prayed my last prayer... And I've sung my long last song and gone the last mile of the way. I want you to grant me a home where I can stick my sword in the sand of time and breathe my life out sweetly on your breast. And Lord, I want you to bind us so close that one can't fall without the other. What were they saying? I want us to be so close that you can't hurt and I not feel it that you can't go through, and it doesn't impact me, that you don't have sorrow and trouble in your life, and it does not impact me. I want you to know that as the body of Christ, when one hurts, we all hurt. Paul said that we are God's, we are God's body. We are the body of Christ, and I challenge you. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, and I got tired of of, of trying to see and go down the stairs at night, wondering was I going to break my neck. And so I put a small refrigerator in, in the room to keep some keep some beverages and things like that, some water in there, trying to encourage myself to drink more water, Austin. But every now and then, there is a corner <laughs> on the side of that bed, and I try not to turn off, the, turn on the light, because I turn on the light, the first thing my wife says, turn the light off. She can be in the middle of REM sleep, but if that light comes on, she says, turn that light off, people are trying to sleep. So I try to get up, Austin, and I try to sneak in the middle of the night, but every Every now and then, the edge of the bed seems to find a collision course with my pinky toe. (laughs) And when it finds a course with my pinky toe... Although my pinky toe is one of the smallest parts of my body, I cannot smash my pinky toe without the rest of my body beginning to react. I cannot smash my pinky toe without there being tears in my eyes and pain in my heart and the Holy Spirit guiding my tongue. So what comes out is holy and unto the Lord. I have to realize that I can't hurt one part without the other part hurting. And that's where Nehemiah, finds himself today. He finds the children of Israel back inside of Israel with no walls. They have no protection. Their walls are, turn, are torn down. Their gates are torn up and he needs to fix the situation. They told him that the body of believers, the church of that day, the children of Israel, they are uh, without, they are in reproach. In other words, that they are hurt, they're embarrassed, they're ashamed, but nobody is taking the initiative to do anything about it. And before we judge them, I've come to tell you that many of us are like that today. Many of us are in situations in which we do not want to be. We're hurt and we're embarrassed and we're ashamed about our past or some of the mistakes we're in, or we're in a situation that we wish we could change. But most of us, do you know most people aren't leaders, they're followers, and they get comfortable with a bad situation and they become what I call functionally dysfunctional. Everybody says, functionally dysfunctional. Pastor, what does functionally dysfunctional mean? It means that you have gotten, grown accustomed to living a dysfunctional life that you have argued with your spouse so long until even when it gets quiet, you start an argument because you're used to the noise. You've yelled so much at your kids that when your kids come in and tell you something that's working and they've done right, you find a reason to complain about it. You've been so negative about your job that even when you get a raise, you have to complain and say it's not enough because you become functionally dysfunctional and bitter is now normal. Angry is now normal. Many of us are trying to pick up the pieces of our life and Nehemiah has heard this sadness and he says, I have to do something. And this is the thing that is perfect for nehemiah is that god has already granted him access to the people who are able to make those choices i've come to tell you that if god has a purpose and a plan for your life you may not realize it but he is strategically placing you in the places that you need to go the only thing that's holding you back is you you might not have the resources but i know the bible said that the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to god and that the earth is the lord and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell within I've come to encourage you today that if God is putting ministry in your heart if God is putting a purpose in your heart don't worry about the provision you might not see it yet but all the time God is strategically placing you in the place where you need to be and giving you influence with the people that you need to have influence with to do what he's calling you to do You don't need influence of a bunch of people, but you just need the influence of the right person. And even though he didn't know it until they came and told him that Jerusalem was in shambles, Nehemiah had been cupbearer to the king. He had access to the most powerful person in the land. As a matter of fact, he was the most trusted person in the land. What did the cupbearer to the king do? Because you are a king, people tend to want to overthrow kings and they want to kill them. So before they drink their wine, the cupbearer drinks their wine and they wait. And if the cupbearer dies, then they decide that's not a good cup of wine to drink. So this is the person whom he trusts with his very life. But there's a problem because when Nehemiah finds out that the pieces of his life and the life of his people are broken down, he could not hide the sorrow. On his face he could not hide the sadness in his heart why is that because many of us uh, we cannot hide the brokenness and the emotions that are on our face you ever tried to pretend that you were happy but everybody could look in your eyes and although you were smiling right here you were sad right here and people could see it that you've been in such a state of depression such a state of sadness that even when you try to fake it until you make it people can see it all over your face and say something's wrong with you and as a pastor, I do it all the time. I say, hey, how are you doing? And I said, pastor, I'm doing okay. And sometimes I say, how are you really doing? Why am I saying that? Because I'm saying, that's what you want to tell me. But let me know how you're really doing. I can't help you until you tell me where it hurts. I can't help you until you tell me, honestly, what's going through in your life. But Nehemiah has even more uh, motivation not to be sad in front of the king because he can't be a prisoner to his emotions because the penalty for being sad in front of the king is death. (laughs) That if you come before the king with a sad face, they execute you. (laughs) To come before the king sad means an automatic death sentence. But Nehemiah has become a prisoner to his emotions. Have you ever been a prisoner to your emotions that no matter how much you try to hide it, it comes up? And this is dangerous for him because every day he has to come before the king. But Nehemiah has a heart like the people of God should have. That I can't walk around all the time happy while my brothers and sisters are hurting. I find it hard to believe that we who name the name of Christ can say that we're always happy. Have people in our family that don't know Christ and it doesn't bother us sometimes because we believe that Christ is the way to God. And if we truly believe that our heart should be anguished and hurting for those of our family who do not know Jesus, there should be a burden in our mind, a burden on our heart to the point where we cannot contain it. And we have to be able to make decisions to change things. But I submit to you, although Nehemiah decided that he was going to be sad before the king, I honestly believe that he probably could have got himself together because I've seen people in dangerous situations, and if a gun comes out, you can find the the most inebriated person in the world. Somebody that's drunk is all get out and acting like they can't can't control themselves. Watch what happens when somebody pulls a gun on them. They immediately begin to sober up real quick, don't they? <laughs> When your life is, is, is involved, you sometimes can overcome that. I submit to you that Nehemiah, I believe, wanted the king to see his sadness because he chose purpose over preservation. Everybody said, choose purpose over preservation because when he went before the king, he knew he might lose his life, but he had decided I would rather lose my life trying to fix the situation than live my life as though I were dead. I'd rather be dead instead of living and still dead. And some of us need to get that mentality that I'm going to stop not taking risks in my life. I'm going to stop not taking, stepping out on faith because I'm scared of what might happen to me. i have come here, Peter. <laughs> You can talk about Peter as much as you want. Many preachers talk about Peter when they get ready to talk about a lack of faith. Because Peter came to Jesus and he stepped out of the boat on faith and they talk about how Peter reached up their hand and they always talk about how if you take your eyes off of Jesus you can fall and all that is true but I've come to submit to you there is only one other person besides Jesus that knows what it feels like to walk on the water why? Because Peter was bold enough, even though he began to sink, at least he was brave enough to get out of the boat. I've come to tell somebody it's time to get out of the boat. Don't sit in the boat with everybody else that's watching. God is calling you to do some great things for him. And you need to choose purpose over preservation. I'd rather get out of the boat and be in the ways with Jesus than sitting in the boat with everybody else. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you. I would rather take a chance at failing and doing what God called me to do than to live a life of woulda, coulda, shoulda. I live a life of what coulda been, or what shoulda been, or what how things would have been. I don't want to be that person that's looking at my life full of regret, always trying to live it safe, always trying to play it safe, always trying to make sure that I would never lose. I've come to tell you that some of your biggest uh, successes will come the other side of faith. They will come on the other side of what is seemingly dangerous. They will come on the other side of fear. I've come to give you my first point this morning. Everybody say fear Fear. is remedied by faith. (laughs) If you want to overcome fear, you've got to learn to build your faith. It's, it's okay to be scared of some things. Some of us are scared of snakes. If you're like me, you know not to put a snake in front of me because I'm not going to be your pastor anymore and I'm going to have to apologize to you. I don't do snakes, but when I go to the zoo, I don't mind snakes. You know why, Brother Morell? Because there's something in between the snake and me and it lets me know that although the danger is there, I'm in a position where the danger cannot reach me. What are you saying, Pastor? I know that if I step out on one what God wants me to do, and I start ministering and doing what what I need to in the world and in the church. Failure may be there, but I also know that there is a pain in between me and failure, and it says it this way, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I have faith standing in between me and what's going to harm me, and if you walk in the path that God has called you to, God said, and you shall walk among scorpions, and serpents and you will not be able to be harmed. What is he saying? That if you walk in the vein of what I'm calling you to do, nothing will be able to harm you unless I give the okay. Many of us are watching and and living lives below the level of what God has called us to. We're living lives below the level of where God wants us to because it's safer in the boat you don't get ridiculed in the boat. You don't get ridiculed. Can you imagine what they were saying to Peter? Hey, that may be a ghost. That may not be Jesus. Whatever the case may be, you look foolish stepping out of the boat. And and what he's saying is we're going to die on the inside of here. So if I'm going to die, I might as well take a chance to do something that I've never done before. And live a way that I never lived before. Pastor, I never spoke in front of people before, but God's calling me to speak. Well, if he's doing that, it's time to get out of the boat. It's time to do what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah chose purpose over preservation. The verse says, Nehemiah two and two, it did not say that he was not afraid. Verse two, chapter two says, Nehemiah is very afraid. He's terrified because when the king says, why are you sad? The very next thing could be execute him. He is sad and he is afraid, but he does not let his feelings to paralyze him. When you believe God is able and you put your trust in his ability and not your own, you can begin to walk the plans that he has for his life. Pastor God called me to speak a preacher or to teach and I'm not, I don't like crowds and I'm not a good teacher. Well, talk to Moses. God doesn't call you based off of your ability. He calls you based off of his. As a matter of fact, He generally chooses people who don't have the natural ability to do things. You know why? Because when I am weak, he is strong, and you can't say it was you that did it. Paul said, I didn't come to you with excellent words, that the word of God be none effect. I came to you simple, so you couldn't blame your conversion on how charismatic a speaker Paul was. I was plain and simple. The only thing you can accredit to the changing of your heart is the power of God. There is no power. I try my best to be a good communicator, but it doesn't matter. No matter how good a communicator I am the power is in the gospel the power is in Romans 1 that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power for salvation for everyone who believed first to the Jew and then to the Greek Nehemiah decided to overcome his fear and do something that was dangerous but if he didn't do something that was dangerous there were people that he was in a position to help that he would not be able to help and Nehemiah is not not this only person in faith that chose to do this. Come here, Esther. (laughs) <laughs> Esther knew that she had to go before the king and that to go before the king was death. But Mordecai looked at her and said, if you don't choose to act, God will find another way to deliver us. But I believe that God has brought you here for such a time as this. You might not know why God brought you to that job you don't like. You may not know why God brought you to the neighborhood that's left Palatable. You might not know why God brought you to this church and not to another one. Could it be that he brought you here for such a time as this? That there are people who need change in their life. There are people who need ministry in their life. And the pieces of their life are just like Israel. Their walls are are torn down. How are their walls torn down, Pastor? Because they're going through divorce and their marriage has been torn down. Their life has been torn down. They're trying to figure out how to deal with blended families and crazy baby dads. Is in crazy babies' mothers, they're trying to figure out how to deal with family members on drugs and family members in prison and all sorts of things. And their walls are torn down, and they need somebody strong enough in a position to help them to say, Hey, I used to be there, let me help you to pick up the pieces. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 3 is pivotal because. He chooses to do the hard thing. He says, I said to the king, let the king live forever. But why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Why should I live good? Why should I live in complete comfort and ignore the plight of my brothers who need help? Why should we sit in our warm houses and never be bothered while there are people under the bridges that are freezing to death? That's why when it gets cold in January, we go out. And, and sometimes it gets so cold I, I chuckle that some, when we went out last time it was funny I saw people that were walking with us Victor and when I turned around I looked and they were gone it was so cold that they couldn't take it they went back to the car and we had to go minister to people who didn't have a car to go to they were covered up with blankets they were covered up one of got looked like it was a pile of trash they said there's a guy over there I said where they said in that spot that looks like it's a pile of trash and I walked over to a pile brother Bob about this tall that looked like it was it was full of trash and I began to speak to a pile of trash and all of a sudden a voice came up and I said, can we pray with you? And I said, do you have anywhere to go? I said, no. And he, I said, do you have any, anything we can pray for? He said, I have prostate cancer. So here he is, no ability to medical care, no ability to anything else. And he's sitting under a bridge, not able to feed himself, not able to close himself, probably dealing with mental illness, nowhere to go for help. And I'm getting, thinking in my mind, I can't wait until I can get back to the car when I can feel my fingers. But he can Can't even get from under the covers because he's afraid if he does, he might freeze to death. How can we, in the body of Christ, be so callous that we can come to church and come to church by ourselves, that we can pass by the homeless, that we can pass by the battered woman, that we can pass by the drug addict, and we be okay with our life just as long as we don't have to see it out of sight, out of mind. But one day it will be in sight. If you choose to overlook the widow, if you choose to overlook the orphan, Matthew 25 says, One day they will come unto him and say this. When I cast out demons in your name, I did many works in the church. Jesus said, great, I'm glad for all that stuff you did in the church, but I still have a problem. What? I was naked. And you didn't clothe me. But I went to church every Sunday, and I, 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 I was at church, and every time the organ played, I laid hands on, that's good. But I was sick, and you, you didn't visit me. Yeah, God, but I gave my tithes, I I, I supplied for Harvest fed. I did all the good things that a modern-day evangelical Christian could do. Yes, but in between you and the church was the prison, and you never went one time in there to share my love with anybody. Because you chose preservation. You chose comfort over being able to make a difference. I want to see you here every Sunday. I get excited when I see your faces. The more I see, the happier I get. But I want you to know that your church experience does not begin and end with this hour on Sunday morning. You don't come to church. You are the church that are in here How? And when you leave here, God is calling you to be salt and light. He doesn't call everybody to the homeless. But if he's calling you there, you need to pick up the call. He doesn't call everybody to the battered woman. But if he's calling you, you need to pick up the call. You need to be seeking God, saying, God, what is it that you want me to do before I leave this earth? Because I don't want to hear bishop. I don't want to hear pastor. I don't even want to hear Willie. I just want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. What about the community center that you haven't started yet? What about all the boys clubs that you haven't started and the girls club that you haven't started? Because it's easy to be comfortable and not face the risk of failure. But God is speaking to somebody this morning saying it's time for you to stop worrying about your comfort and start worrying about my calling. That I called you and I have a call on your life. And if you'll just go, I'll be you wherever you go I'll be with you in the valley I'll be with you in the mountain but you gotta go that's why the first part of our missional statement here is something that has nothing to do with inside the building to reach the lost to go Matthew 28 and 20 Yes, we teach the found, but we teach the found after we've reached the lost. That's how you change the world. It's pivotal. The next thing I want to give to you that he said, because I don't want to keep you long, but I want to pull this out for you. Everybody said, pray before you say. I I took that from one of my friends. He always has that. If I ask him something or somebody asks him something before he says something, he says, let me pray before I say, let me pray before I give you a fast answer. And Nehemiah is in a critical moment. He's in a critical and an intense moment because the next words he breathes may be his last. When the king says, are you sad? And why are you sad in my presence? He has to stop because if he said the wrong thing, it will be the last thing. But I like what he says, and in this is in verse 4. It says, Then the king said to me, What are you requesting? And then he says this, So I pray, everybody read that with me. So I pray to the God of heaven. Nehemiah prayed to God for wisdom and how to approach an intense situation. How many things would turn out better for us if we prayed before we said? How many arguments would be avoided if we learned to pray before we say? How many mistakes could be missed if we learned to pray before we say? Well, you know what would be a good form of habit? You know that person you can't get along with or, or that ex that you have to deal with because you have children together, whatever the case may be. If we have blended families in the building, if you have one that, that you can't stand and that gets on your nerve when you pick up the phone and when they say that one crazy thing that triggers you, you know what you need to say? I need to pray before I say, let me call you back. When somebody's pressuring you, and you have that child that keeps doing the crazy thing instead of the right thing, instead of yelling at them and thinking that yelling's gonna fix the problem because yelling never fixes the problem. It may make you feel better, but nothing has changed. You're wasting your voice in the decibels. You need to say before you you just react to every situation. Let me pray before I say, before I deal with you. You know what? What I've been doing is not working. I need to do something different. Let me go pray about it, and maybe God will give me something, or show me something, a way to handle this situation situation because it's intense and the next move need to be everybody say my next, my next move has to be my best move. My You've lived too much life to keep making the same old mistakes. <laughs> You live too much life to keep going through the same old cycles and the same old patterns. Many of us in this room, I'm hoping I'm not in the number. I'm trying to live to 120. I don't know if I get there. I like KFC too much. But at the end of the day, I I need to make sure that my next move, I've lived way more life behind me sometimes than I may have before me. So I can't afford to just haphazardly hop to life to life. My next move needs to be my what? Best move. (laughs) I like KFC, but I've I learned to like the gym better. I'm going to be around here, Austin. You're going to see me, Lord willing. <laughs> Why? Because there's a lot more preaching that needs to be done there's a lot more life that needs to be lived there are a lot more people that need to be reached and I've got to make sure that I'm going to live my best life because you can't live the life you live unless you step out on faith you know what this is 967 miles away from my doorstep do you know how daunting it is to convince yourself to go 967 miles away from your doorstep but i come to tell you that God wasn't going to bless my ministry like he has today 9 hundred and sixty seven miles away from here and my doorstep he blessed it here and although I might like where I was he's gonna bless you where he's called you to and wherever God's calling you to, wherever He's pricking your heart to, you need to be able to let God touch your heart. There are people that God has blessed me to be able to mentor that not only I bless them, but they bless me. And I wouldn't have had the opportunity had I played it safe. It's easy to play it safe, but if you do what you've always done, you will always be where you've always been. If you want something different, you've got to do something different, and you got to pray to God for direction. When I they ask, me when i come here the first thing i did i didn't just get on my knees and pray i had the children praying i had my wife praying and i'll be honest with you i was waiting for all of them to come back and said the lord told us we should not go i was waiting for that but it never happened sister Bernice. and as much as when they asked me to come here, the first thing came to my mind i'm not going to Detroit. <laughs> Life is too good here, and it's warm here, and I like I like the sun. And, you know, they got snow like not, not the kind we get in Mississippi. Not like from eight, eight o'clock it comes down and twelve it leaves. They got the kind of snow that comes in December, doesn't lead to April. I don't I don't know if I want to I want to do that. Yeah. But it's been one of the best decisions of my life. I wouldn't be able to minister in Mario's barbershop and reach people who had been to prison reach people who would live lives that were prostitutes and, and strippers and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, pastor, you talk to those type of people. Jesus talked to those type of people. And I come down, I wouldn't be able to minister to those type of people if I was sitting where I was sitting. And thank God that he put on a barber's heart. Heart. Most people will say, I wanna do what makes people comfortable. Don't talk about religion or politics. That may push some people away from my shop. Thank God for a barber that'll say, hey, when it's time to pray, that will stop, make everybody stand up and hold hand and pray together. Praying with killers, praying with dope addicts, praying with prostitutes, praying with ex-cons, praying with people who, who God still love. Why? Because that's what ministry is. How dare I sit comfortable in Royal Oak, in a nice house, in a nice city for my kids. And there are people right down past eight mile and seven mile that need Jesus. And I choose not to help them because it's comfortable for me. No, I go to the places that are not uncomfortable. I go to the places where nobody else wants to go. Said so that the gospel may be preached throughout all the earth, and that wherever God gives me influence, that's where I'm gonna go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nehemiah didn't wait for just that. Not only do I have to choose purpose, I'm gonna y'all gonna help me preach because we headed out. The point number one, everybody said, choose purpose, choose purpose over preservation. Okay. Hallelujah. Number two is pray. Before you, say. before you say hallelujah number three everybody said plan, plan before you process <laughs> what does that mean pastor see not only did he pray to god on what to say but when he prayed to god god gave him a strategy of who he would need to bring the vision to pass oh jesus If you look at verse seven and eight, he asked him what you needed. He prayed and what he said in verse seven, you can pull it up and read it with me. I want us to read that together. He says, and I said to the king, let's read it together. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond that river that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked for, for the good hand of my God was upon me. He didn't just have a vision. Everybody say he didn't just have a vision. He had a plan. I don't want to just inspire you to get up and say, I want to do something. I, Pastor Barry, I want to be a teacher. God is calling me to teach. Good. Let's get you in the AMD and get you in the ministry and leadership development. Let's get you into the development track so you can develop. No, I, I just want to teach. No, you're going to get trained first. You can't, you can't process without a plan. You need to be prepared once you find out what the call is. Pastor, I want to open up a building or a community center for you. Well, that's good. God's calling you to do it. I hope my sermon has sparked you to do it. Now, what's your plan? What are the people that God's putting in your place? And one thing I want you to notice that Nehemiah noticed, Nehemiah didn't just say, Well, let me go and I'll take care of the rest. Nehemiah decided to ask for help because he knew he could not do it on his own. Everybody say it takes teamwork to make the dream work. There even just for a Morning service. There are uh, too many people in this room and too many things happening for one person to do it. Somebody has to run their own air. Somebody has to run the sound. Somebody has to play the drums. Somebody has to clean the church. We got three cameras. Somebody has to run the camera. Somebody has to run the music. Somebody has to make sure the mics have lights. Somebody's got to make sure that the air is done. Somebody got to make sure that uh, that offers are going to be made. Somebody got to make sure that things downstairs are prepared. Somebody got to have a lesson plan for children to do. Somebody got to make sure we doing all that? Yes. Somebody got to make sure that that we're keeping up with who's sick so we can continue to pray for those people and when we get the chance to go visit those people, and guess what? Most times in most churches, we decide that the person that's going to be designated to do that, guess who it is? The pastor. We want one person to do everything. But if God's vision is going to be pulled to fruition, It's got to be all of us pulling together to do our part. Pastor, I can't move, but you can pray. I can't stand up more than 10 minutes, but you can pray. We need prayer warriors. We need intercessors and God's blessing us with those things to make the body of Christ work. We are many members, but one body. And I want you to know that if God is putting a vision on your heart, don't delay. Start to pray that God give you a way to open up that vision and that purpose. I spotlight Jalus for one one service. I I preached one Sunday, (laughs) and God put on my heart uh, to say some things that I wasn't even intending to say. And Jalus said, Pastor, that was for me. Within the next couple of weeks, Jalus was gone to Africa. And now there's a church that's planted, and Jaylis is back here, and we're getting ready, if you want to give, getting ready to give uh, across the next couple of weeks, so we can send her back to do more missionary work. You might not have to tra- travel 32,000 miles to do what God is calling you to do, but guess what? This year, when we come up, we're planning on doing things like praise in the park, being able to go to the park and do a revival, to do some things on the outside. We, if you if you can walk, I need some people that can walk, because we're going to start knocking on doors and handing out stuff. and. and branded t-shirts why to let them know that this church is here for the community because just cuz you you have affluence in money doesn't mean you have affluence in your spirit you can be spiritually impoverished and have all the money that you need We assume that all missions goes across the sea to people that are impoverished. We try to match missions with need, and we feel like we've done missions just because we've given some people some food. Thank you for all the boxes. I think we sent like 300 and some boxes last time, and thank you for all those who are giving up to do the things now that you're doing and all the stuff that we do. But if I never remember anything else, one of the most impactful things that ever been said to me about missions is from Sister Cynthia McLaughlin because we were doing some Things and we were sending some things to, to Jamaica, and she looked at me with so much passion and she said, It's good that we send this stuff to Michigan. And you know, she has a thick Jamaican accent, but she said, This is what I want you to know. I said, What do you want to know? She said, Missions is about souls, missions is about bringing people to Jesus, and don't you ever forget it. I said, Yes, ma'am. <laughs> We can do missions here for people who don't need money, but they need Jesus. Missions is about soul. I saw her in the car this morning. She didn't get to come in. But I think about that all the time. You never know what you say that may impact something. She's had more influence on the pastor than a lot of people. Because when I come in here, I said, thank you, God, that you've given me some souls to shepherd. Because it's about souls. I want every pew to be filled. But at the end of the day, I want to be successful by being faithful to what you've given me. Because at the end of the day, whether you know it or not, this is missions right here. And missions is about souls. Nehemiah looked for help, and one of the most detrimental decisions we can make when we rebuild is not putting proper and capable support and strategy around us. It is not unbiblical to plan. I thank you for those of you who are, who are getting ready for the Harvest Fest next week and are going to lend your trunks for trunk chunk of tree, but that stuff doesn't happen without what? Planning. I thank you for all those who lent your gifts and who are willing to come. I'm looking forward to playing cornhole and I hope everybody is able to give because I want to get in the bouncy house too. I like the bouncy house. I, I spent a lot of time in the bouncy house when there was nobody <laughs> around. Uh, she's already raising her hand. We've already, so I'm going to make a phone call today. We're going to be having the bouncy house. We're going to have some fun. Missions is about souls, but it's also about enjoying what another's do. fellowshipping in Christ, brothers and sisters, reaching out letting people know you can live a christian life it doesn't have to be boring it doesn't have to be dry and mundane you can enjoy one another. One of the most happiest things we had, I was so thankful sitting down in, in, in the basement yesterday, looking at that wedding that was packed out with family and people and people with the music on and enjoying themselves and having fun and looking at me saying, if we play this song, every time a song up, everybody look over the pastor and say, is he going to say something? And finally I was talking to somebody I said, don't you know that the first mission, the first miracle that Jesus did was at the wedding. He turned water to wine not grape juice at a wedding. They danced at the wedding. They enjoyed themselves. They had a life that God had called them to live. I'm not telling you, for those of you who are on the edge that want to go to riotous living and all that, that's not for you. That's not what I'm saying. In moderation and temperance honoring to God, but it's okay to be Christian and to enjoy Jesus didn't say, I come that you eat grapes, sour grapes, so that you eat lemons and look like this all day. He said, I came that you have life. Zoe means abundant life, abundant life uh, to the full, to the noble flow. I come that you have life and have it more abundantly. That I smile. I smile when I see Stella and Bernice and when when I see Fran back there and I see Jayla. I smile when I see the people in the room. Why? Because you bring me joy. So make sure you pray before you say. Make sure you plan before you process. But don't delay it. Oh, they put it up there. Look at the media team just grabbed it. Let's read it together. Praise God. Look at them. They need a raise. They don't even get paid. God bless. So it's easy to give y'all a raise. Uh, Let's read it together. What is point number one? And I have them send this out on the internet. What does it say? Choose purpose over preservation. Number two, pray before you say and number three, plan before you process. Let's stand. As we get ready today, we want to be mindful of what God is calling us to do. If this message has sparked your heart and given you faith, can you give God a hand clap of praise in the building? <laughs> no matter what, who you are, he has a plan for you. Find that plan and work in it. Not just in this building, but be in Counter Church. Be the church of God all out wherever you go be salt and light today I'm going to pray for you I'm going to bless you and if you're listening online I want to bless you too that you can be salt and light wherever God has called you to be I thank you for being part of our online fellowship but if you can't make it here locally find a local fellowship still watch us online still be with us but God is calling you to plug and connect with community and a local fellowship to be able to do his work we give you thanks God we give you praise for what you're doing and I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart are acceptable in your sight oh lord my strength and my redeemer and lord god as we leave this place today and we continue to fellowship with food and love may you be lord god glorified in all that we do and i pray that the words of this sermon god will reach hearts and reach minds and spark people to not do the safe thing but to do the thing you are calling them to do and that lord when they step out on faith they'll find out that the water holds them up just fine (laughs) we thank you for it, and we bless you for it, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And now I declare that you are blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when you come and when you go, and that wherever the sole of your foot shall try, shall be blessed in Jesus' name. Somebody give God a shout and a hand clap (laughs) of praise. You're dismissed.